0: Kali Tribune podcast. In this episode of our regular series, Basic Notions of Metaphysics, we'll talk about notion of metaphysical analogy, also known as analogy of being, or in Latin, analogia entis. Uh, the term comes from the high Middle Ages philosophy Philosophy that was understood as Scientia transcendence, transcendental philosophy, in a very specific sense. Uh, of course, analogy, both as metaphysical notion and as a notion that is applied in other sciences and everyday life, is older than Middle Ages. But this particular understanding of analogy that I want to focus on here is something that was developed to perfection in the Middle Ages and High Middle Ages, that is, to be more precise, by Thomas Aquinas and to some extent, of course, uh, his predecessors and contemporaries because the notion of individual authorship in traditional metaphysics is something that is quite different uh, from what we understand by it today. But I think this will become obvious in the course of this podcast. Now, to explain what analogy, or that is metaphysical analogy, is, I think it's best to start with our everyday notion of analogy, which does not correspond to metaphysical analogy, but it's a good start, so we can... Discern uh, some everyday prejudices we have about it, uh, which, albeit not correct, contain a lot of truth, as is always the case with the common notions of people. So, analogy is being understood, commonly being understood, as a relationship of terms, and to be more precise, a proportional relationship where first term term relates to second, in the same way the third term relates to fourth. Four terms, that is to say, two pair of terms, and vice versa. In this sense, uh, analogy is more uh, like a way of speaking uh, where the stress and focus is on relation of words meanings and so on and not so much on the words meaning, on beings that are addressed by the words themselves this is uh, most certainly not an analogy uh, that we will talk about now although it is in a way a derivative form of it Analogy as was used and developed in the Middle Ages as a method of metaphysics or scientia transcendence, but also as a, uh, understood as a principle of reality, which in it, it in fact is, comes from the long tradition of antiquity, and in its uh, most comprehensive form, uh, the inspiration for his development was Aristotle. Now, it's very important to understand that Aristotle's notion of analogy proper, that is, when he used the actual word analogy, is not really uh, what I have in mind now. What was taken from him as an inspiration and further developed was something that he called proshen legomena legomena means things said in accordance to one. Although maybe uh, if we were to interpret it right away, a more proper way to say it would be uh, things said uh, in accordance to the first instance. (laughs) Now what this means? Well. Aristotle used one example that was also later taken and uh, taken over and repeated ad nozium in middle ages the example of the relationship of health and in itself and various instances of health in different contexts let's say so for instance when i say uh, that some medical procedure is healthy and then i say that someone's urine <laughs> is healthy i'm repeating the the common uh, the common uh, common example or that uh, uh, this or that uh, nourishment brings forth health or that somebody has healthy looks about him or herself i'm always using these qualifications of healthy on the basis of one instance that possesses health to a greatest degree that is to say health itself this is in a nutshell what aristotle understands by it and he used it uh, applied it in uh, first philosophy that is what was later uh, pre-formulated in the term metaphysics So, why he did uh, did that? Because in Aristotle's uh, understanding, and I would say in traditional understanding in general, uh, the being taken without qualifications is an object of the first philosophical science, or that is to say, the highest science that human beings can have, that is to say, first philosophy or metaphysics. Being is, therefore, one, it is universal, it is present in all instances of being in a very specific sense. But being present in others, other beings, being, uh, as they say, and we will explain this further, uh, all beings participate, uh, individual beings participate in being, Uh, We are faced with a situation uh, that, on the one hand, uh, in fact, at the same time, simultaneously, we understand being as one and as many. And how to approach this? There are three approaches, as Aristotle discerns them, uh, uh, that we can take. Or, better to say, maybe, that are given to us. To understanding, the first approach would be what is called equivocation or equivocity. Uh, in equivocity, a relationship of terms of predicates is such that uh, different, uh, the same predicates, about same predicates spoken uh, or or predicated to different beings don't have same definition. For instance. <laughs> Excuse me. To say that animal is lively or to say that a picture is lively painted lively is equivocally spoken because liveliness of colors and liveliness of the living being are obviously not the same thing. One can infer from this for instance that there is a proportionality here of words, because the very uh, notion of liveliness which we uh, apply to uh, aesthetical experience comes, in fact, from nature. But this is not what Aristotle does, and this is very—it's very important. Why the reason is because both Aristotle and both the Medievals, even to a larger extent, uh, always begin uh, philosophy with philosophy or any kind of inquiry uh, by inquiring about beings, about real, actual beings, not about words. Whereas in our day and age, philosophy became a kind of uh, explanation or even, I would venture to say, story about language. Where words are used to explain other words and then other words, and other words. That is to say, the object of philosophy is only what is spoken. How this spoken relates to things is secondary. In in some forms of modern uh, contemporary philosophy, there is no relation even, and so on and so forth. It is, uh, to wit, philosophy of language. And uh, it projects this image of philosophy in the past, considering that all philosophy was always just dealing with words, in a way that somehow we today realize that 2,000 years of of, uh, difficult problems were not real problems, but language problems or language games, for instance, as Wittgenstein would put it, and so on. Uh, This is very important to bear in mind. The reason why it is important to bear in mind is because precisely in a metaphysical analogy, the most important thing is order. That is to say, hierarchy. There is no hierarchy if you consider that all your inquiries are only about words. Then your inquiry is about uh, things that stand in a horizontal relationship where there is not no higher or lower analogy serves precisely the purpose to explicate the lower into which is that which is higher now the other way of uh, addressing uh, the mu- multiplicity of the ways of being in one is a so-called university where being is spoken of in the same way in the same mode and in the same definition in two various instances. Univo- uh, example of university would be uh, Hrvoje is a man and for instance John is a man. In both cases uh, predication is spoken uh, according to same logos, according to same nature, because both of those guys participate in human nature. So, being is, in this sense, the same in both of them. So, university is also a way of horizontal predication. Now, we have to just a, a, a bit of digression into what predication means. Let us not think about predication initially in terms of words, because in traditional metaphysics, words are last. Words are just uh, a tool to express what exists in reality. In reality first exists a logos that is a kind of uh, expression of some being itself predication in this sense would be a partial identity or partial identity of being partial unity of being when i say for instance harvey is a man i am saying that he participates in the nature of man of human being but it is also some other things although nature uh, natural humanness is something that is completely uh, so to say inhering in him but identity is never never uh, so complete as if if we had for instance the notion of humanity, of human nature, uh, that we could kind of like deduce this individual man from it. It's impossible to do, because identity of uh, finite being is never complete. It's never the same as the nature which this finite being is kind of like expressing what Thomas Aquinas would call uh, having an act of being really acting out its own ra- nature. This is predication. So predication is an ontological expression. It's an expression of, of being. Uh, analogia is a third way, or analogy is a third way to, to speak of this uh, unity and simultaneous diversity of being. Aristot- this is what Aristotle called pros mm-hmm. legomena. In analogy, we won't use Aristotle's terms anymore. Now we are switching to analogy, as Thomas Aquinas would use it. Analogy is the expression of predication of being that is different in all its instances, various instances, but has something essential in common, essentially in common. Uh, Analogous expression would be following. I am man, Mikael is an angel. We are beings, both of us, in an analogical way. Now what this means, and taking angel as an example, is by no means an accident because angelology was an essential part of medieval sciencia transcendence. Uh, it is quite incomprehensible. Uh, for instance, Thomas Aquinas is inapproachable as philosophers uh, without uh, his understanding of angels. Uh, take it as you like it, but this is the fact. Angel is a being that has completely different nature than I. Because I, as a human being, necessarily possess matter or am an expression of form in matter. Matter that is uh, formed by uh, by a certain energy or act uh, that makes it coherent and gives it a certain, certain, let's call it logos or ratio. Angel, on the other hand, is a being that has no matter, that needs, does not need matter to exist. The unity between me and Angel, as instances of universal being, is such that we are, in a sense, completely different, <clears throat> and in a sense, we participate in something third, something that that is uh, that is making us making us one, to a certain extent. And what that, what would that be? This is what analogy tries to depict that is to say this is what analogy to speak more properly for medievals expresses because it is always ex- all of these notions are express for for people who developed them were expressions of reality not words that try to interpret reality this is very important to bear in mind you don't have to believe this is Uh, This is true or justified, but you have to have have it in mind when you think about those things. Now, it's obvious that Angel and I, Mikael and I, are not equivocally beings. Because there is a certain, uh, certain commonness. For instance, We both possess intellectual nature to some extent. We are not, however, and this is very important, univocally spoken as being, because, and this is very important to understand, univocality presupposes that two terms that are put, uh, two instances of being that are put together as, as having something in common presupposes that ha- they have uh, in common, uh, genera in common. Now genera is, uh, g- my genera is animal, my species is intellectual being or a being endowed with intellect. Because uh, there is something we call differentia Specifica. Differencia specifica is an act of form which you might understand as intelligible energy or intelligible act which, that contracts the genera, for instance, which is wider than it. You have genera of animals and intellectuality contracts a certain animal into a completely uh, in, unique being, which is man. And this would presuppose, in a case of angel, that there is also a genera of angel that he has common with me. But there is no such thing because angels are completely different. The genera that uh, brings forth animality does not exist in, exist in angel. They don't need it. They were created, let's say. In a completely different way. Now, This is very, very important to understand. So we are talking not about uh, quantitative or qualitative difference. We are talking about essential differences. Differences that are so wide that if there weren't something that ho- third that holds them together, those disparate beings... Uh, we would have a world where everything is separated from everything else. This is very important to bear in mind. So what is that that is in common between the two? The common third, let's call it term, that connects these two instances, these two beings that are so different, is being itself. They both are. I just uh, pointed out that uh, this notion or this uh, principle or being is not univocal. Uh, this means uh, that the being is not genera, that in this particular instance, uh, the angel and the man are not cut off the same cloth, so to speak. <laughs> Somewhat literary, because genera is what you are made of, in fact. So how, this being is then? Well, uh, being in traditional metaphysics is contracted in categories. Categories are uh, ways in which being is. Each being. When I, when I say universal being, when I use this being without qualifications, I mean universally. Uh, how beings are. So... They are uh, substances, the answers to the question what is. Uh, For instance, quantity, uh, which is uh, uh, divided further in the unit and extension and so on. Uh, It's very important to bear in mind that originally in Aristotle, categories are not so formalized. They are answers to the questions. For instance, substances, uh, TST, answer to the question TST in Greek. What is it? And this is the first category, because there is a hierarchy in categories. Being is, in itself, is not one of the categories. Because every category is a category of being. Categories are the highest genera of everything. Everything is spoken of and exists, therefore, in them. In some kind of way. The, everything has some kind of either has some kind of quality, quantity. For instance, angels don't have quantity, at least not quantity in the sense material things have, things that have bodies, because body in material things is a principle of individuation, uh, which makes it one discrete, countable body. Something completely different with, for instance, these spiritual beings or intellectual substances, as medievals call them. Uh, being is not part of, any of category but it is present in all categories they are its constructions therefore being is not a genera and the best way to understand this is that every genera uh, needs this specific difference to individuate it into species or form Uh, because for instance as we talked about uh, men Uh, Man is the animal which is uh, specified uh, into intellectual animal by the act of intellectuality, the form of intellect. And this makes man a unique being. Uh, But what is important to understand is there is no intellect in animality. Intellectuality comes outside, Uh, the species comes, uh, that is to say difference, comes outside of the genera. It acts upon genera. Uh, But being, there is nothing outside being. Only thing that is other than being, which means outside more or less, is non-being, that is nothingness. And nothingness does not compute here. So being is not genera, it transcends genera. And what is extremely important to understand, it is also not a concept. Because every concept has to have this genus proximum, uh, and differentia Specifica, that is to say concepts are based on uh, genera and species as a form of knowledge. Being is not a concept and this is something that is very hard to figure out in this classical philosophy, not only Middle Ages, uh, because we are not accustomed to think in this way now, and some interprets uh, that are with long standing of, of, of academic interprets of Thomas Aquinas for instance uh, uh, can write whole life about him without figuring this out that they are, they are dealing that the highest principles cannot be conceptualized and that Thomas Aquinas's philosophy is therefore never a system it is impossible for it to be a system of knowledge, yet they call it system nevertheless, without problems. But that's the story in itself. Now being is intrinsic to both terms. Now I was talking about angels and men, let us give uh, Thomas Aquinas' uh, famous example of two categories. How categories stand as, as the primary ways of differentiations of being, how they st- uh, stand in the relationship substance and accident now accident you have to understand is not simply accident like car accident accident is uh, what is outside of the substance what happens to comes to to substance to substance as a kind of determination from the outside for instance if i'm a substance i am trust me branco the fact that i am white is a re- uh, accident because Uh, the the essence of me, the nature of me is that I'm a man, but uh, the whiteness is not part of this essence. It is something that comes outside of the essence. Uh, So how the accident and substance tie together? Because they are both being. Only with one very important difference. Substance is more being than accident because substance uh, accident is predicated of substance and not vice versa obviously this means that both substance and accidents accident participate on the third principle and this third principle is being ens universalis and how this comes to pass well we have to understand what participation is participation is act of uh, something taking part into something else which is possessed by other being essentially. So uh, to put it <laughs> in more comprehensible way, participation is having a part of something that something else has as a whole, as its essence. So uh, for example, I participate in the light of the sun, a being shown upon by sun, which sun possesses, let's say, in an essential way, because it emanates from it. It is an act of the substance of the sun. It is the energy and operation of the sun. Sun has it in, in a full way, I have it in a partial way. To participate is to express the partial being. Both substance and accident participate on being. But substance participate in a more uh, perfect manner. Because substance is first category. You first have to have the answer of on what is or who is something. And then the other categories. That is to say it has more being than accident. But not in the quantity... Uh, a quantitative sense, but in the participatory sense. So this is, in a nutshell, analogy entis. And there is ve- some very, there are some very uh, important uh, things about it. We have to say now, it is an intrinsic relationship. This is the first thing. <coughs> Participation is something that is participated by both terms of analogy and in, in the intrinsic sense. Uh, this means that not only relations are analogous, but the very essences uh, and essences in act are analogous. Remember Aristotle's example of health. So procedure is healthy, visage is healthy, cure is healthy, urine is healthy, all in accordance as they participate in health. They take they are parts, let's say parts of health. What health has in essence, healthy things have par- participation. And this is intrinsic relation. Why? Because health is the cause of healthy things. In Thomas's uh, perspective, All things participate in being in analogous way, that is to say, comparable way, because they are caused by the same cause. They originate from the same source, and this source is God. Being that is participated in, by all beings, uh, separate beings, uh, is the fact of creation. This is this ens universalis, and we'll go a little further into that a bit later. So uh, the analogy is a causal relation, but it is very important that cause and origin, the father of analogy, is not part of analogy. God does not enter the analogy. What enters the analogy, as I said, is being and participation in being. Being, on the other hand, is a transcendental. It is a very specific way of existence, and we will come to that now. But first I have to just to note that this uh, understanding of analogy is not very prevalent among uh, so-called neo-Thomists or even Thomists, some so-called Thomists of Middle Ages and Renaissance, because uh, for some reason uh, they they missed, I I don't know how this happened, uh, this fact. That this is the inner causal relation, and they talk about uh, analogy as proportion merely, and this is not uh, f- this is uh, factually not present in Thomas. So this is I uh, just wanted to mention this because. Uh, I'm sure the people that listen to me or read my texts and essays uh, follow these things on internet and internet there is a plethora of these people that call themselves thomists I'm talking about Thomas Aquinas and take the stance which is completely uh, out of uh, touch with what actual actual Uh, doctrine was, and I'm not saying this only because I think that, but this is even consensus of some eminent scholars on Thomas Aquinas, but that's a story in itself. Now, we said that analogy is not a relationship of concepts, it's a real relationship, also we said it is the inner relationship, and it is based on the participation of being. We also said that being is not genera, being is not species. Now what is being in the sense of ends? Being is transcendental. Transcendental is the mode in which all beings are. Every being is most general thing, most general characteristic of, of everything that is. And most general characteristic of everything that is, is that it is, but there are others. Also the most general characteristics of all beings is that being is good, because everything that is strives to conserve its being to be. Uh, This is the old teaching of uh, goodness of being, that is something we have already in, in antiquity, in Plato and Aristotle, and we have it of course in Christianity. So being and good have the same extension and they are therefore by their extension and their reality convertible but they are different in the sense that they are different modes of existence and this exa- uh, a term mode is very very important. Mode is the som- uh, something that differentiates some being in itself intrinsically that is to say, nothing outside ha- can, uh, has, to, has to apply. Now, notice that this is impossible when we have genera and species relationship, because there has to be outside act. Differentiation of being and good is such that it is inner differentiation. Let's say that good is explication of being. When you dwell upon being... You start to realize, let's say, if you want to look at it in the in the um, in terms of, of of investigation and thinking about things, uh, you kind of like uh, the uh, resolve uh, being into good and then into truth. That is also transcendental. But I already spoke about it before in, in some other podcasts. I won't dwell now too much about uh, upon it. What is in, uh, important to understand is that being. Is not being general in species is transcendental. Transcendentals are absolutely impossible to to understand as concepts. Although in later philosophy, this is precisely what came to pass. Inversion. We can have concepts of transcendentals if I just said that being is uh, what is universally uh, universal uh, uh, being. The fact that everything. That is, is, and the good is, for instance, uh, that towards which everything strives. I gave some definitions, haven't I? But these definitions are not really uh, kind of uh, exhaustive expressions of of what uh, transcendentals are. Uh, That's why they are very hard to understand, because you really cannot uh, understand them um, conceptually. The concept only gives you a definition uh, in an abstract sense. But there is, a, 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 in the metaphysics, in Scientia Transcendence, in Transcendental Philosophy of Middle Ages, the method is not abstraction, but what they call separation, where you separate these things that are not material, that transcend matter, but also transcend even... Uh, transcend uh, Uh, some conditions that every separate being must uh, fulfill, like genera and species, Uh, what you do is more like coming in touch with them. Uh, They are not something that can be pinpointed, because they are too universal. And every concept concept, kind of like uh, pinpoints something general, but not absolutely general. Uh, In a nutshell, transcendentals are to be understood, I would even say rather symbolically, they are horizont, or they are light. And Thomas Aquinas uses this term uh, not as a metaphor, for instance, for being. Transcendental of being, which is in his mind first. Uh, Being is equivalent to light. Because in all things are comprehensible insofar as they are beings. Being is what makes them what makes them comprehensible and intelligible and transparent. And this is to be understood literally, this transparency. It's very hard, something sometimes very hard to comprehend from contemporary point of view. An analogy is based on this. So analogy would be causal relationship or rather to say proportional relationship based on causality, based on origin and the remaining of the effect in the cause. Because nothing leaves the first origin, the first cause. It is always present. Uh, the signature of his presence is being itself. The things are, that they are good, that they are true, in terms of transcendentals. There are other transcendentals also, but we won't go into that now. So... What we uh, what we comprehend in analogy is not God as He is in Himself, but God as a Creator, as a Giver of Being. Because all analogous terms resolve into Him, into uh, I'm sorry, into His acts. Analogy is what uh, gives us uh, a form of theophany in a created world. Uh, we see, one could say, God's signature in it, through analogy. And a very real signature at that, because uh, not, not one of God's acts of creation is something that should be understood as static, as it happened and it doesn't happen before, because he keeps it into exist- in the existence. And uh, the first, uh, therefore, the first and, and more most universal fact of existence is being itself. And therefore, the, the participation is of, on being, is what unites all things. Uh, analogy is a bond of the world. And to conclude this sometimes rather abstract exposition, I would uh, recommend uh, reading Tolkien, if you haven't read him before, I rarely speak of him. Uh, But in this context, uh, I think it's appropriate. Because when you read his books, especially Lord of the Rings, uh, he was, as you know, probably a very traditional Catholic. Uh, There is not one instance when God is mentioned in that book. Yet when you read it, you are aware that God is present in every sentence. This is the best metaphor I can conjure up. To give you a sense of what analogy, analogia entis is. But uh, let's say that this would be enough for this episode. Thank you for your attention. This was Branko Malic of Kali Trivians signing out.